Welcome to the Trusted Advisor Podcast brought to you by Iroquois Group. Iroquois is your trusted advisor in all things insurance. This week, you're listening to the special segment of Charlie's Corner, hosted by our very own Charlie Venus. Welcome to the second segment of the Scott Addis Podcast with Charlie. Scott is the founder of Beyond Insurance, and he details setting goals for your agency. Charlie picks up the conversation by digging into what are producer goals. So in your consulting and training practice, what do you see as the good goal setting? Is there a lot of room for improvement? And can you give us some insights on what's working and what isn't? Thanks for going down this path because I think it's vital. And I'm sure a lot of people listening today would be in leadership roles at agencies. And I'd like to suggest the following. Uh, You must walk the walk. You can't go ahead and go to a producer or account manager, CSR, and said, I would like you to fulfill this goal for the year. You must actually demonstrate to them that you as an individual have taken this seriously. And I would say you actually have your own individual goals that you'd like to go and contribute to the organization. So I would suggest that any leader has to start. And I would suggest, where do you start? What we just went through. It's going to be visualization. It may be articulation and writing these down, but then go through the smart process individually as an agency leader to step down and said, okay, what are my specific goals that I have to lead this organization? Can I measure these goals? Are these attainable? Are they relevant and they time bound? And I think to go through that, it gives you confidence and credibility to say to others, look, I've gone through it, but here's something very important. Charles, I like to imagine that you are my boss and you say, Scott, I would like to tell you uh, as we move toward 2022, your goal for 2022 is X, and that's your goal. As compared with, Scott, you have a lot of talent, a lot of ambition. I would like to challenge you to take the next two to three weeks and come and tell me what your vision and goals are for success. What I'm getting at when you tell someone here, I'm giving you this goal, that still is the agency principal's goal. That is not the individual's goals. Powerful goal setting is empowering people to understand the opportunity and the importance of visualization in creating their own goals. So what I'm, where I'm headed is an agency leader should inspire others to visualize, dream, and set goals, whether they're CSRs, account managers, or in business development capacity, and then roll those up together. Now, if I come to you, Charlie, and say, you know what, thanks, for the last two weeks, I've gone through this process, I visualize, and here's some goals I have. If you don't think that I have given enough time, energy, or maybe they're too easy, you should say, Scott, you know what I like to do? I don't think you have given yourself the gift of goal setting. Do me a favor, come back in a couple days, rethink it. And here's what I'm getting at. Uh, There's a great book by a guy named Paul Stoltz that talks about three people in the world, the quitter, the camper, and the climber. The quitter has basically given up on life. They basically feel as though they have no control over outcomes. The camper gets to a certain level and camps out. The climber is always trying to climb. As an agency leader, you're going to be very quickly to tell what kind of people do you have to come to you. Charlie, if I come to you with very ambitious goals and they're crystal clear, you know I'm ready to climb or I am a climber. On the other hand, if I come to you and I'm basically reticent with giving good quality stuff, you could say, Scott, 
I see so much more potential. You go and rethink it. And I hate to say it, but some people may have already quit in space and don't have any visualization capabilities or whatever else. But I would suggest the goal setting process starts by empowering your people to give them the ability to come back to you as a leader with their goals. Well, yeah, and that's a great point because, you know, my experience that so often the goals are just handed down. So one of the things I think is important, and let me get your views on this, is that as you describe it, you know, having the producer go off for a couple of days and come back with the goals. But I think having a conversation, so like if you were a producer working for me and it was like, Scott, let's sit down and talk about your goals. I mean, you know, this is kind of what we envision for the agency where we'd like to be. But I really want to talk about you and how much money do you want to earn? And how much money do you need to earn to live on? And how much money do you need to earn to put away for retirement every year? And you think about those numbers and then come back and let's have a more detailed discussion. Because once you know what those numbers, how much you want to earn and what you need to be earning over and above that to live on and what you, the amount you need to save every year to hit your retirement goals, then we can put a plan together in terms of what it's going to take in terms of opportunities based on revenue per account to get to where you want to be. Boy, that's so important what you said, Charlie. What you're doing right there is you're trying to find what's the hotspot for that person. Might it be kids' education? Might it be the home? Might it be a vacation? So to try to understand what is important to them and try to back into activities that support the goal-setting system is very important. That's what you said is so, so critical. And then the other piece of it is that, again, this, you know, just from my experience and observation is that too often they're handed down goals that they view as just simply unattainable. Now, whether they are or not is up for conversation, but a lot of that goes to their belief and their skill set in the ability to deliver on those numbers. So how do you handle that kind of conversation? Well, once again, and I use a term all the time called unrealized growth potential. As a leader, I really believe that you have to understand in every person, make sure they appreciate that they have unrealized growth potential. I call it UGP and taking each person. And if that person comes back and they present to you their plan or their concepts and you think they can go further, challenge them to rethink. But what I'm suggesting is that if you go ahead and said, okay, guys, for the agency, here is the goal we have for the year. That certainly is one way to go about it. But I suggest trying to get them to each person, whether it be CSRs, account managers, people, producers, for them to come back with their individual contribution goals is very critical. I always look at three buckets. And, and the three buckets in the agency as an agency leader were one, retention, which gets into the customer experience. In other words, I would challenge each person, especially the CSRs and account managers, what can we do in our customer experience to go ahead and drive retention? The second thing is cross-sell. What activities do we have to think through to go ahead and cross-sell more? And the last was filling the funnel with good quality opportunities with new business. So I kind of broke it down. You think about an agency, those are the three buckets. And everybody is going to be involved in at least one, in some cases, two and maybe even three buckets. Then I would challenge them to say, okay, come back with creative ideas that can go ahead and impact these. So I wrote a couple things down. We had a person come back and say, Scott, I think we've got to do a better job 
benchmarking the customer experience. And we find people that really are engaged in our experience, we should cross-sell. On the other hand, if we do benchmark the experience and we find people that aren't that excited, we have to somehow take those and look at it. We had another person come back and say, why can't we give Valentine's Day gifts? So we came up with an idea of taking Virginia peanuts and put it on the, the top saying, uh, we're nuts about you. Uh, what about a carrier casino night or a breakfast medley for key accounts? So on a certain weekend or whatever, they could have breakfast on the organization. Or what about having prospect research advisory boards or academy of risk management education programs throughout the year we're actually bringing thought leaders to go ahead and educate our clients on different issues? Or what about volunteerism within our communities? So these are specific ideas that all I did is say to our staff, guys, what I want you to do is to think outside the box. What, do you, what would be activities and actions you think could stimulate you and the organization? And all of a sudden, you come back with so much stuff, it's incredible. And that's what I think a great leader does. They actually inspire people to go ahead and think for greatness. One of the other things you talk about quite a bit, you know, not only in that inspiring people to go out and think outside the box, and I think this is a big issue, is accountability from the sales leaders on the agency side. Uh, you know, and accountability is a growth mindset with the individual producers. Where do you see that failing in many agencies? Well, it's really simple. It's called an accountability scorecard. And you think about the world of sports or, or so many things. Athletes are held accountable by the coaching staff and the ownership holds a coaching staff. And then we, the spectators, uh, actually want our teams to be held accountable as well as the press holds accountable. But at the end of the day, accountability is huge. But I find so many great leaders and organizations don't have accountability scorecards. And a scorecard is basically measuring what you think are the key indicators that represent success. And that could be going the gamut about retention ratios, key accounts out of competition, it could be cross-sell percentages. It could be new business hit ratio. So if you wish, I'd be also glad to share an accountability scorecard that we have both for an agency as a whole, as well as for an individual producer. Yeah, that would be great. And on the accountability side, using, again, a sports analogy, but you look at college football, pro football, every player is graded on every play in every game, and they get a grade for that. Nick Saban's popular for telling his players, what you have to worry about is winning every play against your opponent. And if you win every play or the majority of those plays, you know, they're going to come out on top in those games. Charlie, you've had such a distinguished career. When you look at organizational goal setting, what do you think is the most important activity or function? I think it's the plan, the smart plan, and then holding people accountable. You know, I was in a situation with one of the national carriers. We had a a, a huge territory. And just to break even every year, we had to write $100 million in new business. You know, and when you think every year going in, we got to write $100 million just to stay flat. If, if you don't have good objectives and break those objectives down to achievable bits, you know, the, the $100 million mark just seems over, overwhelming. So you really got to have a good plan and You've got to have everybody buy into the plan. It's got to be achievable, but then you got to hold people accountable for it. Well, it's interesting. You had mentioned Nick Saban earlier in the program or at some point in the program. Um, and I'd like to suggest a quick story on Nick Saban. 
he was actually the coach of uh, Michigan State, and Michigan State was playing Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State is four and four. And uh, he actually ran into the psychology professor at Michigan State, and he said, Mr. Saban, I know you're a 34-point underdog this weekend against Ohio State. I'd like to have you rethink the way you're coaching. Instead of looking at the outcome, look at specific plays, and every play work to perfection. And then plays build upon each other. It is said that Nick Saban still today credits head of psychology department at Michigan State for some of his coaching philosophies. What I'd like to say is to say, guys, all I'm suggesting is if we execute to perfection, it could be that renewal. It could be our service plan. It could be our stewardship review. It could be our ability to go ahead and do a risk assessment for a new prospect. If we can execute to perfection, we have no idea how far we can go. So I would suggest that let be ambitious. You've got to be realistic. You have to be it is attainable and time-bound, but also realize the power of executing each play individually. Charlie, could, could I go off on a little bit of a tangent for a second? Sure. One of my favorite fellows is Simon Sinek, and as you know, he is the author of the concept Why. And I think putting a great dose of why into an agency is huge. Why is your cause or purpose? And when people are going about their functions and don't feel there is a defined purpose going above the transaction, sometimes things get mundane. But for those organizations have a defined cause and purpose, say, here's why we're in business, great things happen. So I would suggest in the goal setting and visualization process, making sure as a leader, you put a heavy dose of why we're in this business and why we do what we do. Now, Scott, I wanted to go back to an earlier point because I think this is important for any agency owner or producer out there. You know, you said you started your business from scratch, you built it to $12 million in revenue. Walk us through how you were able to get a $12 million revenue book using yep. the techniques that you've talked about today. Well, the organization got to about 24. My personal book was about $12 million of revenue, but very simply, I'll give you two or three components. One was I never felt I was in the business of insurance. I never felt I was selling an insurance policy. I really felt I was educating the customer on a process. Very simply, I took the CPCU program at an early age, and I'm basically an outcome of believing in the risk management process. Let me role play. Charlie, I have a defined five-step process that I like to articulate today. And what's most important is your adoption and belief in this process. Step one is allowing me to help you understand the risk and uncertainties facing your business or family. So the first is discovery leading to an understanding of risk and uncertainties. Do you think that is important? Yes. And once we identify a risk, I'm going to go ahead and work with you, try to assess the impact. If a cyber situation happened today or employment practices, what would be the impact of that risk? So the second step would be once you identify a risk, helping them understand the potential impact, which is really frequency and severity. Charlie, do you think that's helpful? Absolutely. Then step three is looking at methodologies to manage that risk. And really methodologies are basically only four or five. You can retain a risk if it's minimal. You can avoid a risk if it's severe. You can try to contractually shift a risk to another party. You can minimize a risk or you can take risk and transfer it to another party for a price. So if you think about it was what I would do is really say the first three steps are what I think separates me in the marketplace, but I'm here to help you identify, to assess, and to go and think strategically of how do we deal with risk. 
Then we move to step four. We go ahead and take action on the risk. I mean, how do you really take action if you haven't identified, you haven't assessed, and you haven't gone ahead and thought strategically about methodologies? And then step five is then monitoring step four. So all I did was I started, I, I leave Johnson & Higgins. I was, at the time I was managing Comcast, Penn, Campbell Soup. I had run the middle market area for Johnson & Higgins. I started agency in October 10th of 1990. And all I did was I was an educator, educating people on this process. And if they said, look, buddy, all I want to do is start in step four. Just do me a favor. I want to take action with insurance. I would say, wait a second. You are a small middle market company or you're a head of a household. Have you really, do you feel comfortable and confident you have gone through steps one and two? Are you really confident you've identified, assessed, and you think strategically? I'm not charging you anything to go through steps one, two, and three of the process, but I would tell you, if you want me to start in step four, I don't think I can do my job. And I can tell you, my hit ratio was 95% because anybody that said, Scott, just give me a bid, start in step four, I would say, if I can't go through steps one, two, and three, I can't serve you. So we just, we, we branded the process, we called it the beyond insurance process, and we just took off from the beginning. And what's most interesting, I, I'll just take one quick story and I promise I'm, I don't want to go too deep. We have a whopping staff of three people. I get introduced to Nextel in New York City. Nextel has at the time 3,000 employees and a risk manager. And the guy that introduced me said, I said, this is ridiculous. Why would this guy want to meet with Scott Addis with a staff of three people? I go in and articulate this process. And the guy says to me, Scott, I can tell you I need you. And I said, Mr. Major, why do you need me? He says, Scott, I'm with Marsh right now. They do a good job in step four, but I need a business partner that's helping me with steps one, two, and three. I need someone, I'm one guy trying to handle a, a multinational corporation with 3,000 employees. I need someone to help me to truly identify, assess, and think strategically about risk. Now, that's a large corporation. Small businesses today are really, really vulnerable. That five-person contractor, the 10-person retail store, they need you, the agent or broker, to take the time to say, I have a process, and here's a process. The second thing I would point out is I did form a prospect research advisory board. I went ahead and said, who are people that really believe in the Scott Addis? These were clients. These were center of influences who were insurance care representatives. So I actually had my raving fan board help me with pr filling the prospect pipeline. And I, I'd say the other thing was our staff. At the Addis Group, we had a very passionate staff. We all had a why. And our why was actually making sure we delivered this process day in doubt for the customer, because as you can understand, um, especially today in COVID, this process is so darn important to deliver. Well, that's a great recap. Uh, that's a great takeaway for, you know, for anyone. And I think it's important on the producer side that whether it's your process or another sales process, that they have something that they commit to in delivering that value to the to the client i detest the word producer um i was never ever a producer i was a risk consultant i'm a business risk analysis and i like to suggest anybody listening today rethink word producer producer says you are there to produce insurance products and services and that's not who i think a lot of these people are so i would suggest the term risk consultant is really if you like where i'm suggesting you go more appropriate yeah, and when I was at Brown and Brown, the, the the process there was very similar to what you described as your process at Addis Insurance. And the difficulty was to get people to walk away when somebody just wanted to start at step four. Give me a quote. Yeah. 
Let me reinforce the, uh, the importance of this. In medical terminology, if you or a spouse or one of your kids or a parent has a medical issue, you would hope the physician would do the following. In step one, they would consult. Step two, they would diagnose. Step three, they would outline plans of treatment. Step four, they would treat. And step five, they would monitor the success of the treatment. Charlie, what's it called if a doctor tried to say, Charlie, let's move to step four. We're going to treat right away without first consulting, without first diagnosing, as well as offering plans of treatment. That would be called malpractice. And I believe a, well, a lot of well-intended agents and brokers, and especially the consumers, are expecting us to come in and start in step four. And I would say to people in medical terms, you're asking me to treat your business without first consulting, diagnosing, and laying out plans of treatment. And a plan of treatment today, and it could be a way to minimize risk. Uh, it, or it could be a safety policy procedure. It could be a business continuity plan. So to me, is the medical terminology really allows consumers to think back and say, now I get it. Well, that's a great analogy, Scott. And I think everybody can, you know, can take that and apply it to the insurance side of it. It's a good comparison. So unfortunately, we are out of time, but I thank you very much for your time today. It's great having you back on the podcast and hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Well, thank you, Charlie. It was my honor. Thanks for listening to this edition of Charlie's Corner, brought to you by Iroquois Group. I am Edwin K. Morris, and I invite you to join us for the next edition of the Trusted Advisor Podcast.